So today we're going to be talking with Kristen who is high up in the corporate America. We talk about how she is seen as having the perfect life, amazing salary, beautiful kids, husband, and let me let you know it's going to be a triggering conversation. We do talk about suicide, um, so that's something that may trigger you. Don't recommend listening, but if it's a conversation you want to listen to, then keep listening on. Welcome back to Mentally a Badass. My name is Justine, and today I have a lovely lady by the name of Kristen. She is someone who has suffered with depression that is going to bring up her story today. Um, she is a very successful um, corporate executive, so we're going to talk a general topic about that around that world there. Um, so yeah, so Kristen, thank you so much for joining. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm super excited to hear your story and to provide value to my audience. So whenever you're ready, if you would like to start talking about your story. Okay. So I um, was born in Houston, Texas, and I currently live in Denver, Colorado. Growing up, I was raised by both of my grandparents, and there is a long history of alcoholism in my family. My mom had me when she was a teenager, um, and my biological father left her because they were young and didn't know what they wanted. Um, she got married, and I had a relatively normal life when she remarried um, for probably the first seven years of my life. We, You know, mom, a dad, a dog, a cat, a house, that kind of thing. When mm -hmm. she turned 27, she left in the middle of the night and went back to my biological. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Devastating for me. And yeah. in the years that followed, she became a severe alcoholic. My biological father is a severe alcoholic. And to this day, neither one of them have ever been able to consistently hold down a job or function as adults in society. Um, so again, I was raised by my grandparents and I knew that there was this stain of alcoholism on the family. But growing up, I didn't know that alcoholism was this manifestation of depression and of mental illness and mm -hmm. that addiction was um, uh, you know, a medical diagnosis. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I just thought this was the, these were the cards that I was dealt and, you know, our family is cursed and this is yeah, just awful, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's, I guess it's a way to make, to have things un be understood in your mind. I can see that. Yeah. And so when I got to middle school, I started to have panic attacks. Um, I started to feel short of breath. Suddenly I would cry a lot. Um, I had nobody in my family ever talked about mental illness, about depression, yeah. about mm -hmm. anxiety. Those weren't discussions because quite frankly, they were drunk all the time. Um, they were self-medicating with alcohol and with this crazy lifestyle that they led. And so for years, um, I thought that my anxiety, my panic attacks, those type of things were related to living in this abusive alcoholic environment. I didn't know that this was a mental illness that mm -hmm. I had actually acquired and inherited genetically because mm -hmm. my parents both suffered from it too. So if you've ever read, there's a great book out there called Adult Children of Alcoholics. And generally... Mm -hmm. Um, children of alcoholics take one of two paths. They follow in the paths of their parents and they too become alcoholics, which is why you see mm -hmm. generation upon generation of alcoholism in families. Mm -hmm. Or 
they become very high performing, high functioning adults Mm -hmm. um, with a need to control things because they grew up in environments that were very, very out of control. So that was me. I finished high school early. I started working early. I got a bachelor's degree. I got a master's degree. I'm a certified life coach. I've got certificates in teaching. I've got certificates in executive leadership. You name it. I have checked that box. Nice. Um, But I, and it sounds good. It sounds like, oh, she's a survivor. She did all of Mm -hmm. these great things. Mm -hmm. But in the middle of accomplishing these things, I learned that I was also suffering, that the, the alcoholism that defined my parents' lives was also defining my life because I got married. I had a beautiful house. I had a great career. I had healthy children. And every morning when I woke up, I wished I hadn't. I went through periods where, and people who have struggled with chronic depression know what this feels like, where you wake up and you've got this amazing life and you do not even have the energy to walk to the shower. You don't want to walk, you don't have the energy to wash your hair. Mm -hmm. You lay down. And for me, sometimes it's crying. Sometimes it's withdrawing. Um, Mostly it's not the crying that you think. I would say that what I am is a high functioning depressed person because I'm Mm -hmm. really, really good at hiding it. Mm -hmm. And for years, I think that that almost made it worse because just like I said right now, and I've got to condition myself out of this language, um, but you have, but you did, but you have accomplished. You've got this wonderful life. You've got this great house. You've got all of these things. What do you have to be upset about? Mm -hmm. And it took me years before I understood depression is a chemical imbalance in my brain. It is a disease. Mm -hmm. And today when I was at work, actually, and I knew I was going to be talking to you this evening, we had a a very interesting conversation. We we read that recently in the community where I live, um, a 21 year old woman committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And one of my employees said, She's 21 years old. What could she possibly, what could possibly be so wrong in her life that she oh, would goodness. Die, right? Oh, I see my face right now. Yes. Oh, it's part she, of the what, stigma. It's part yes. of the stigma. What could she be so unhappy about at 21 years old? And I oh. looked at her and I said, she didn't die because of suicide. She died because of depression or a mental yeah. illness. And suicide was a symptom of that disease. Because I have been at a point where I have felt and I have, you know, everybody says, you've got a fantastic life. Again, you're beautiful. You've built this career. You're so successful. How can you be unhappy? And when I hear that, it makes it worse. Because if you're, if you think you're telling me something that I don't already know, you're Mm -hmm. wrong. I know that I have a lot to be grateful for. And the fact that I cannot be happy is because I have a debilitating disease that at times interferes with my desire to live. And I think until people, you know, unless you've experienced that or you've seen someone you love wake up and wish they hadn't, Mm -hmm. you can't understand. And so now that I do have this great career and I have, you know, lots of employees, this is something that I feel like I've been called to talk about Mm -hmm. because I've got a platform. I am successful and I, Mm -hmm am fighting depression every single day. And I, I have to take medication so that mm-hmm. I want to wake up and live this incredible life. And right. do I have moments of joy and happiness 
a hundred percent. Am mm-hmm. I grateful for my success in my career? 100%. But there mm-hmm. are also days when I wake up and I want to die. Yeah. And that is just the reality of depression that nobody talks about. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I'm so glad that you, like, based off of like, where, like how you're saying that you're like very successful and you pretty much to, to people on the outside, look at you and like, she has this perfect life. What can she be so sad about? I hate when people say that because they're are, they're basically dismissing you. They're basically right. dismissing you and they're thinking like, well, they have this perfect life. So, and also for people who are rich and famous, like celebrities yes. who have like all the fame and all the money. And then when they hear about like, them, and then they come and they talk about like, oh, how they've been depressed and this, and then they get a lot of hate for it because they're like, oh, well, at least she has, they have money and like, there's no reason for them to be depressed. And it's like, that's so ignorant that, you know, I don't know if you know much about like, you know, these TikTokers or anything, but this family who are big TikTokers created a reality TV show Mm -hmm. and they, and they, mental health was a, the, basically the primary topic in the reality show, because these girls got famous went from like zero to 100 in like a year because tiktok you can become like super famous really fast Mm -hmm. and this girl she was 15 years old she got like 100 million followers on tiktok in about a year and a half wow so imagine all that fame she's now 17 but she got really famous when she was 15 but she got a lot of hate because people think she doesn't deserve it you know that you know how people are yeah and so she got like death threats and like really horrible human beings like you know, saying giving her so much hate and TikTok doesn't really filter bad, you know, comments. It doesn't really have much of that kind of filter like Instagram does. So mm-hmm. obviously she saw all of that. And then her sister got famous because by association. Mm-hmm. And the sister now has like a singing career. And people, you know, obviously people are jealous. I mean, like, it's normal to feel like that, but you, you know, like you keep to yourself. You don't be like, you know, telling her to go kill herself or like, you know, say, Oh, you don't deserve it, you know, basically bullying her. Right. So there was a scene in the reality show where they she allowed the camera people to film her mental breakdown when she was when she was crying to her parents, the the sister of the girl who got really famous. Wow. She she basically she had a full mental breakdown and she allowed it to be on camera. Mm-hmm. And I I'm very empathetic and I was watching this I cried. Yeah. Because she said she was saying like if I try to do this, if I try to do that, and people say this and people say that, and she was like, I just want everyone to shut the fuck up. And she was like crying. She's yeah. like, oh, she was having a mental breakdown because she, she talks, she also said that she has depression and she struggles with mental health before TikTok was a thing. Mm-hmm. She's had her issues in like high school and all of that. So, and when she has all these issues, it's worse when you have, like when you're in the public eye. Right. So people see these girls, like now that they're millionaires because they blew up really fast, they, people look at them, they're like, oh, but they have like this like million, like $15 million house in LA and they literally, all these brands want to work with them and they're, and they have so many fans and like they're in their reality TV show and they get to met, they, they met JLo and like they met all these famous people and they're on these talk shows. Like, how can they be depressed? Like they're not depressed. And it's like, it's so ignorant. It's like, you don't know what depression is then like it's not like de- like people think like oh depression are you just sad like no it's it's not like that it's literally as you were saying it's a disease like people can have all of everything that you would want or they would want and of course be extremely grateful like you were saying but still like you said feel like you want to die and it's yeah. because and it's a and it's a 
it's a, it's a thought that goes through your head. And then sometimes, you know, medication helps that. Like I'm personally on medication myself. Mm-hmm. And the one thing, thing I say is that that medication does for me is that it takes away the suicidal symptom. Yes. Same. That's what it does for me. Yeah. I, I mean, once in a while I will have like my, once in a blue moon, I would like have like a thread of thought, but I wouldn't, I don't have the urge or anything like that. Right. Like, and- I think I'm safe with, with the medication. And for me, so a few years ago, I live in Colorado now. I mentioned I lived in Houston. A few years ago, I found myself in a really, really bad place because I had been on medication previously. I stopped taking it. And people who have cycled up and down through depression know that this happens. I decided I didn't need it anymore. I was fine. And I went for about two years without taking any medication. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was because I had worked my mental muscles out of it and I could handle it. Um, until, and and for years I never tried, I never attempted suicide. I thought about it all the time because I was afraid, and this sounds crazy, but if anybody's grown up in the South in this deeply religious area, you understand, I was afraid if I kill myself, I'm going to go to hell. And if I go to hell, that's going to be worse than this. What am I, I'm trapped. And so then you have this horrible sense of there's no way out. Um, Mm -hmm. and I reconciled in my mind that, you know what, if I kill myself, God will forgive me. He understands how bad this is and he doesn't want me to live like that. Yeah. So I, so I had this very specific plan on how I could commit suicide and my children wouldn't find me. My husband wouldn't find me. I was going to make sure that the police found me first. I was, it wasn't going to be messy. I mean, it was very, very specific. And Mm -hmm. I realized that's not healthy. That's not normal because I was fixated on this is what I'm going to do. I cannot live like this anymore. And then I came to terms with the fact that depression is a chronic disease and Mm -hmm. it is something that I've got two options. I'm either going to die with it, meaning it is going to be something I have with me for the rest of my life. And that was heavy. That was heavy to accept this is not something that's going to be cured overnight. I'm not going to take pills for six months and be better. It's likely going to come back for the rest of my life or it's going to kill me because Mm -hmm. that's the choice that I make to let it do that. So I've got two choices. I can either die with it under control or I can let it kill me. And I decided I'm not going to let this kill me. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was really hard to come to terms with the fact that this is chronic. This is Mm -hmm. lifelong. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I moved to Colorado. I, I got a divorce. I went through a lot of life changes and, um, things have been good until about six months ago. And my career has been going fantastic. We're achieving all of our goals at work. Everything is just tick, 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 tick. And I was driving down the road thinking, I, I don't want to live. And I knew as soon as I had that thought, fucking a, here it comes again. Yeah. Nope. Nope. I'm not going to let this happen. I'm too, I'm, I'm too strong for this. This is not going to happen to me again. Mm -hmm. I'm going to think myself, I'm going to go exercise. I'm going to give myself positive self-talk. I'm going to do all of these things. Yeah. And then the next day I want to fucking die. And then the next day I don't want to get out of bed. And the next day it's back and this is awful. And, And I got myself back into that cycle and I did not seek help when I knew I should have. And then one day I went to work and the whole way to work, I was debating, do I go to work or do I drive my car off the road? These are, Oh, I've had those thoughts. Yeah. We've all had, had, I was like, I'd be so like triggered. I'm like, I could just turn the wheel this way. 
yes going to that tree yeah i've yeah i've had those thoughts where i like with the bed on crashing my car yeah right so i leave my you know I've, I've, i own this beautiful house in colorado i leave my house i drive to work um again i make plenty of money i've been making six figures since i was in my 20s i've got plenty of money i have nothing to worry about and mm-hmm. i want to drive my car off the road and i thought this is literally it. demons I, in your head i have got to get help so i yeah. call i call teledoc and mm-hmm. I say, I need a prescription for um, antidepressants. And I should have asked for this six months ago. I didn't. I need it now. And they mm-hmm. say, we can't prescribe over the phone. And so I said, what do I do? Well, you can go to urgent care. So I called urgent care. We don't prescribe antidepressants. What do I do? Well, you can go to crisis care. And I'm sitting in the parking garage at work, no joke, thinking, I can't do that. I have to, I have to go to work. I have three children. Yeah. I can't go check myself in somewhere. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And I sat in my car and I cried because I thought yeah. at that point, and I called 10 general practitioner doctors and psychiatrists that morning from the parking garage trying to get an appointment and mm-hmm. nobody could get me in. It's so and hard. I, it was so hard. So I sat there and I cried and I cried and after about an hour, I did what we do. I fixed my makeup. I brushed my hair. I put my shoes on and I walked into that office and I led my multi-million dollar team. And then on wow. the way home, I cried. You are a badass. Like, you know, up, like, it sounds like it. It sounds like, Girl. It, it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I really got a bed. So, <laughs> so my I, job is literally in my room because I'm working from <laughs> home right now. Well, and I think working from home made it worse because during Mm -hmm. COVID, you know, when I couldn't be around people, I think that made it worse. But I don't want to say that working from home caused my depression because depression is a disease. And recently my seven-year-old had a a tooth infection. He had like an abscessed tooth. And I was talking to somebody who was saying, you know, I don't really want to get on medication. And my question to them was, if your tooth hurt, would you go to the doctor and get antibiotics? And the answer was yes. Yes. And I said, well, you have another physical ailment now. Depression is physical. It is chemical. You need to go to the doctor and get medicine and treat it just as you would a physical ailment. And I think until people start to see it that way, it is not going to be widely accepted, widely talked about. Because if you're at work and your stomach hurts, you have no problem telling somebody, you know what? I don't really feel well today. I think I need to go home. I think I'm getting a stomach virus. But you don't tell people, I really don't feel well. I'm suicidal. Yeah. But both of them are physical issues that need to be addressed medically. Yeah. Just people forget that the brain is an organ. And I think another thing too is that people, people have a lot of fear in themselves. So I think the idea of them having medication in the brain probably freaks people out. Yeah. But, and there's also just a lot of like negative comments about medicine because people have to understand that like, when it comes to having medication for your brain, it's not like guaranteed that the first one you're going to try is going to do the job. You right. may feel like you may feel even worse. So a lot of the whole stigma around antidepressants is that people take it and they feel like a zombie. Yeah. But another thing too that people have to understand is that when you first starting to go on medication for your brain, you're going to feel like shit. Yeah, and that's you are. guaranteed. You're going <laughs> to feel like shit. You're going to feel like a zombie. You're going to feel like you're going to feel worse. But the thing is, because your brain is in shock, your brain's like, oh, my God, what is all this stuff going in my brain? Like, it needs time to see, like, okay, like, and then, you know, it, it, you're just, you're, you're shocking the system. You're adding all these, like, chemicals in it and your body, you're, the first month, at least, you're going to feel horrible. 
Right. So but a lot of people don't give it a chance. So when they don't give it a chance, then of course, word of mouth spreads. And this whole idea of taking medication for your brain is seen as like a negative thing to do. And it's seen as a scary thing to do. And it seems like, oh, it's not something that works. And like mental illness isn't real. And it's all in your head. I'm like, well, yeah, it is all in my head. You're actually absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I think, too, that, you know, when it comes to medication, to your point, it's not an overnight thing. And one thing that my, you know, I've got a therapist now. I actually get my prescription online now. I don't, I just talk to somebody on the phone and they send it to me and it's been, it saved my life. Um, But what my therapist explained to me was when you, your brain is depressed and it's so used to being depressed, Mm -hmm. when you start taking medicine, your brain tries to go back to the state that it's used to being in. Mm -hmm. And so that's why at first you get this, you know, I'm not getting any better. I actually think I'm getting worse because your brain is fighting the medicine Yeah. until the medicine wins because you've got it in your system for long enough. It's doing the right things. It's sending the right signals. And I will say unequivocally, medicine has saved my life I agree I'm saved my life honestly like I've been I've been on and off like not like okay I've been like trying different medication for the past like almost two years you know like because for me I'm I'm bipolar so I have mania and depression so Mm -hmm. I'm on medication for mania and I'm on medication for depression Mm -hmm. and luckily I have right now I have a good sets of medication that's right um it does good. The only thing that sucks about it is that like when I take, um, I actually took it as we were talking. Cause I was like, Oh wait, I got to take yeah. medication. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Oh crap. What time is it? Okay. It's time to take medication. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, on the phone taking with, with you. Um, but one of them makes me like pretty like tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's like in my head, I'm just like, do I rather just be tired or would I rather like be suicidal? <laughs> so right. I was like, you gotta make a choice. And it's like, it's, Honestly, it's not really ideal, especially like, especially because I'm actually going to be going to a wedding soon and like I'm going to have to take medication at like nine o'clock and I'll be like, I'm going to be like the ones falling asleep at the wedding, mm-hmm. um, which sucks. But I mean, it is what it is. Um, but no, honestly, I truly believe that medication has saved my life because when you're like bipolar is like one of the most dangerous like mental illnesses, because like once you're like high, you're like, you think like every like it's honestly kind of scary. So mm-hmm. when I'm manic, I think, okay, everything's fine. Like, I'm fine. Like, I'm good. I don't, I don't have depression. Like, I'm fine. Like, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, it's like, bam. Just kidding. Yeah. 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 And that high and low makes it even worse because it's, you're not It coming... makes me blow my mind. It makes me, like, my mind yeah. is just like, what is it? Like, it's like, I wake up and I'm like, okay, what's, what's going to be today? You know what I mean? Like, wh- which one am I doing today? Yeah. And it's like, it's not like also just like up and down up and down it can be like up for like two weeks and then down for like it's just I can't control it but mm-hmm. I'm more self-aware and I try, I try to learn how to like cook and I've been fighting this illness since I was a teenager yeah so it just and what I've learned honestly is like when I'm not on medication that's when I'm at my worst mm-hmm. because my I can't it's harder for basically I feel like almost well, when my symptoms happen is when I'm triggered as in like a, like a stressful event, for example. Right. So I have this illness and I know that when I get stressed out, that's when I start, like my brain starts acting up in a way because it, it, I've also read that like when you're higher in stress, you're more likely to experience symptoms of your illness. Right. So I get, I'm like, Oh God, please bad stuff don't happen to me. Like, cause I know my brain and I know that like, for example, um, I, 
I didn't get a job that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously that's sad, but it's, you know, it's, it happens in life. Right. Right. But for me, when I, when that happened to me, I took it like a whole other level. Yeah. I took it a spinning. whole other level. My, yeah. I was like depressed. I was like, my God, like, how am I going to get through? Like, like, what's the play? And I start going back to thinking of my old ways and thinking I'm like worthless or this and that. And I start crying. I cried like five times that day. Yeah. And I, I think I like called into work the next day and just slept and stayed in bed all day. So I take it from like a completely different level. And like people look at those people as like, she's being so dramatic. Mm-hmm. Well, and what I think is important, and I I hope anybody listening to this gets this message. You just said stress causes your symptoms to almost flare up, right? And so people hear that and they think, see, it's just all in her head. She just needs to control her thoughts. But to those people out there who, when you get stressed, you get a stomach ache. When you get stressed, you get tired. When you get stressed, you get a headache. And those are true physical manifestations of stress. So why would depression or manic depression or anxiety or any of those things be any different? They're not. And if we start to see that depression and all of these issues are physical diseases, then it's no longer, we. of course, stress makes it worse. Just like stress makes our stomach hurt. It's the same thing. It's just that your brain's reacting instead of your stomach or your hormones and your emotions are reacting instead of, you know, I've got a backache or my muscles are tense. I need to go get a massage. You hear people say that all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm so stressed out. I need to go get a massage. You know what? When you've got mental illness, your brain responds to those stressors. You know what? I'm stressed out. I need to talk to my doctor. I need to get medicine. I need to talk to my therapist. I need to figure out a way to handle this. It's no different than saying, I need to take a Pepto-Bismol. I need to go get a Mm -hmm. massage. I need to take care of my body because by taking care of our mental well-being, we are taking care of our body. My brain yeah. is part of my body, period. Yeah. I, I hate when people think it's not. I, I don't understand. Right. I don't understand their thought process thinking like, oh, mental illness is not real. Like, we can't see it. Like, we can't see it. Same thing. We, I'm like, so you're telling me we don't have a brain. Right. That's what you're saying. Right. And it's like, how come we understand, like, if your stomach is sick, you like you said, get the peptobis of your heart, like your heart, your liver your whatever like all these other organs but why are we ignoring the brain right you know, people think that the brain is only affected with people who have disabilities as in like i don't know like like speech. ms or something yeah, yeah like stuff like that like that stuff obviously like you you can see but when it comes to like for like for example like your depression and your thoughts people when we people who are suicidal they don't typically just go outside and say, I want to die. Right. Like, no, like, I mean, I guess if we go out like that and scream that maybe people are like, oh, I can see it now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's know? funny because, and I will say one of the things that I hate is when people say, oh, they're just saying that because they want attention. Oh, God, nobody, when I was nobody says they want to die because they want attention. If somebody says they want it to die, they want to die. And you should take that as this person needs help. Even if you think they're doing it for attention, there's still some kind of mental underlying issue there. Yeah. Well, then why does this person need attention? What's missing? Yeah. You know? And that's an and idea I, that, I, yeah. yeah. In high school, like people, like if honestly, like in high school, when I would, didn't, I didn't know at the time I, in high school that I had like mental illness and such. I just like, I was very, I had a low self-esteem. I knew I 
I had those moments, but I just like, oh, I just have a little self-esteem because I was very severely bullied growing up. Like in mm-hmm. my childhood, I have a lot of mistreatment growing up. I was very mm-hmm. verbally and emotionally abused by my classmates, by family, by just everywhere. I grew up with so much hate, people mm-hmm. hating me constantly. So, and also like in my family, my mom has severe depression. My grandmother right. has depression. And I don't really know much behind, I, I think my, from my mom's side, I think my, my Nana did, I don't, I don't know. But from my mom's side, we have depression. So mm-hmm. my, so it, it makes sense. Like I have the gene and my sister, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if my sister's depressed because she doesn't, she says she's not, she doesn't, she doesn't act the way I do. So I really have no idea if she's actually is good as dealing with anything, but her and I like, I don't know. I, I kind of have a theory that like it, the genes doesn't hit everybody, but that's, that's, that's a whole nother science thing. Or but, I think it, it, it hits people differently. Yeah. Yeah. And they exactly. respond to it differently. So like I said, a lot of the people in my family, if you were to meet them, you would not think they suffer from depression because yeah. they party, they drink, they, you I know, like those are people, you know, that suffer from depression, people who go straight to thinking of like partying and drinking. Yeah. Yeah, Those are the I, people who are. Honestly. And people, I think it's always, you know, well, they just need to stop drinking or they need to rehab or whatever. Rehab helps with the drug addiction, but not yeah. necessarily the underlying mental illness. And yeah. one of the things in going through this myself now as an adult, I'll be 40 in February, is now I can look back on my parents with compassion, mm-hmm. where growing up, I hated them because I lived mm-hmm. in this really toxic environment. And now I look back and I think how sad that they were that mentally ill all mm-hmm. of this time that they self-medicated with alcohol. They didn't know they had a problem. And now this is the life that they, they still to this day lead, you know? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I completely agree. In my household growing up, it was pretty toxic as well. My, my parents weren't alcoholics or anything like that. And but my mom, she like, I was scary growing up with her. If that makes sense. Yeah. And she knows she was. Like she's, she doesn't tell my pocket. I know she's going to hear this. I mentioned mm-hmm. her a lot in all of my episodes as well because my mom's a good example for a lot of things that I say. But mm-hmm. luckily, but now I'm very, very lucky that I'm able to talk to her as an adult and say to mom, mom, you really fucked me up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tell her, I, and she, you know, she apologizes. She's, she's like, I didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing. And it's okay because mm-hmm. you treated me the way grandma treated you. But you never was able to get that to tell grandma that because my, you know, my, my grandmother passed away. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, my mom never because my mom, my mom, for me, I went through, I studied psychology mm-hmm. in high and not in high school, well, technically high school too. But in college, I have a degree in psychology. Mm-hmm. I also just for my own, my own mental health advocacy, what I do for, you know, with this and like just research and just talking to people and learning. I just, I know more. And also my generation is more open to talk about mental health while my mother's generation wasn't. So yeah. she didn't have any of that. So I'm pretty much her resource to all this information. And plus now she has, you know, the World Wide web. And I, you know, I talk with my mom and like, she is starting to understand like, oh yeah, like what she did for me growing up was not okay. I mean, I mean, she, you know, she's not a bad mother or anything like that. But she definitely has, you know, caused me a lot of like certain anxiety and like didn't really help with my depression. And just like growing up with her, it was just like sometimes just a scary yeah. house. Yeah. <laughs> and she never hit me or anything like that. Mm-hmm. She would, she never hit me, but 
she epitome hit me with her yelling and scaring the crap out of me all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she didn't, I don't think she realized how much of an effect she had on me when she did that. Mm-hmm. And, but now she knows, and she, you know, she apologized, she feels bad. And I'm like, it's fine. Like, I just wanted to bring that awareness to you. And so she doesn't, like, obviously do that anymore. But, um, but she is, honestly, she even says, like, how proud she is of me that, like, I'm pretty much working on breaking this whole cycle of my family because my, like I said, my, I wish my grandmother was still alive, mm-hmm. you know, so I could have saved her. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. She, 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 like, never killed herself or anything like that. But she didn't, like, end her life on, like, the most positive way. Yeah. Um, every, she pretty much died alone in her apartment. Mm-hmm. She smoked a pack, like, every day. Yeah. She never, like, she barely went out. Like, I think at one point she didn't leave the apartment for a month straight. She lived alone. No one wanted to be around her. Because at the time, people didn't understand depression. They just thought she was a bitch. Yeah. yeah. Because when you have depression for that long and you don't get help and you don't have people that are there to support you, you, you manifest all of that and you become angry and you become a really nasty old woman. Yeah. Or I think that, you just you, you give the impression that you don't care. But it's at that yeah. point, you've lost the ability to care because you yeah. can't, you know? Yeah. I mean, she, she was kind of rude, but like... Mm-hmm. She honestly, I I believe I feel like if she, people who are usually rude are people who are not really happy in yeah, her life, right? And clearly, she was not happy. And no one, I can tell you today, nobody under ever understood her. Yeah, and it just truly really makes me sad because I feel like when when I was like fifteen, I started understanding more of mental health, mm-hmm. and like I would have conversations with her. I remember, and then I was like fifteen, but then. Right after that, she passed away. Yeah. And she, we don't know how she died. My mom just found her. Well, most likely she probably had a heart attack. Yeah. Um, but it's just truly sad that, like, she had to die like that. Yeah. And that she couldn't die, like, knowing she had a happy life. Right. You know what I mean? And I family mean, and children and grandchildren and surrounded by people that love her, you know? Yeah. I mean, she had my my mom, my, my aunt, and, like, you know, us and stuff. Like, we'll come for, like you know, some Christmases, some Thanksgiving, but overall she didn't really have anyone who like saw her more on daily. Like my mom would come every, every other week to do her grocery shopping for her. And then my, my aunt would do like the other weekend. And so like, they'll have their time with her then, but I just feel like it's just not enough. And growing up, I didn't know what she had. People just said that, like, oh, she's, you know, she's always cranky. She's always moody. Like, she's just, you know, not nice. Like, people put all those ideas in my head. And I'm like, oh, I have a, you know, a crappy grandmother who's, like, you know, the 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 person that no one wants to be around. It's the like, grumpy was, old lady. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what they put in my mind. Mm-hmm. Because I was, you know, I was young. I was a young kid. And they're, yeah. But at the end of the day, what was really going on is that she had very severe chronic depression that manifested. She never had the help that she needed before she died. They did put her on medication and she was doing a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So they were seeing some hope. I think she went off it or something like that. You know, some people have hope and then like they got off it, but that's a whole thing. Right. But yeah. she, yeah, she, when she was on the medication, my mom said she was doing better. It was easier to talk to her. There was, you know, a more of a light. And I guess she went off it. And then, you know, then she passed away. Well, she passed away, like, right then and there. But, like. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, so, it was it just, like, I wish she was still alive. So, I wish, like, she could know everything that I'm doing. And I wish that I was able to have a conversation with her and help her, you know, to. You know, it's crazy. When you, when you live all those years and you manifest 
all of that anger and all of that depression and just trauma and then just never really get it taken care of. Like that is just like, it's just, it's, it's really horrible. And like, she was pretty much killing herself by, you know, the cigarettes. Yeah. Every day she would smoke a pack. That was her thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, you said she was, she was rude and she had those, you know, she was mean, but imagine when you're mean to people, you're much meaner to yourself. Yeah. And so for her, what a sad existence. And I hope that both for you, for your, me, for my kids, we can see those things and break that cycle. It doesn't have to be generational. And now I can identify, you know, if those things start to appear in my children and have conversations with them. And like I said, you know, my seven-year-old just had to have his tooth out and -hmm. we took him to the doctor and, and, you know, when they get a runny nose, you take him to the doctor, are they sick? What's going on? If my kids start to demonstrate behaviors that look like anxiety or depression or those types of things to approach it the same way that I would any other medical disease. Absolutely. And especially if you notice that when they're younger, it's a lot yes. easier when it, for, for them to cope and to learn and to understand what they have versus like, like I said, my grandmother who didn't really get that opportunity. And, and I honestly, I'm like, truly, I'm definitely breaking that cycle, you know, with my family. Like, I mean, whenever I have kids, like, I'm definitely and if anytime they come to me, and they're like, I'm sad or I don't feel well, like I'm taking it very seriously. And we're like this, like, I don't want them to ever feel like, you know, I mean, yeah, we're all going to feel obviously, but like, I don't want them to ever feel like they want to, you know, want to die or want to be here. Like I was obviously would do everything to make sure they have a nice health, healthy life, both mentally and physically. Well, I talk about my depression with my children and Mm -hmm. because here's the thing, if I was diabetic, my kids would know I was diabetic and that I needed to take medicine for it. They would understand, Hey, mom needs to have a juice pack or, you know, her insulin is low or whatever. They would understand that. Mm -hmm. So my approach to depression with my children is the same thing. Mom has a disease called depression. She has to Mm -hmm. take medicine for it. Some days she doesn't feel good and she has to do different things to take care of herself or it makes it harder for her to get out of bed or, you know, those kinds of things. This is a disease that I have and Mm -hmm. I treat it. And I remind myself diabetes is one that I always think of. If I had diabetes, I would not be ashamed to talk about that with my children. So I refuse to be ashamed to talk about my depression with my children because if they ever experience it, I want them to know that talking about it is not only okay, it's normal. It's normal. normal. This is a disease and any other disease that you have, we would talk about. So why would we not talk about this? Exactly. And it's honestly... It's what you teach your kids when they're younger. They're going to keep it in their mind. And then well, since you're teaching it like that, when they go into school, they're going to definitely say, like, this is a normal conversation. Like every parent needs to teach it that way. So right. we can, you know, work on destigmatizing, like have them start young and learning and such. And I remember when I was a kid, they didn't talk to me about it. So anytime right. my mom was in bed all day, my dad was like, oh, she has a bad stomach ache. I remember yeah. that. At yeah. the time I didn't know. I was like, oh, she's a stomach ache. You know, she's a summer, whatever, a, a bug. But yeah, yeah, I mean, now I know as an adult that all those times that I, she was not feeling well, it was because of her depression. She was because, in bed all day. Right. And I hope that my kids too, I hope that I can provide that language for them so that when they go to school, if their peers are experiencing the same thing and share that with them, they can come to me and say, Hey, my friend, mm-hmm. I am worried about them yeah. because not every parent has these conversations with their kids. And I want my kids to go out there and be 
a resource for other people who may not yeah. have that. Of course. Absolutely. And like, that's what we do. The more people that are on the same page and the more that we help and, you know, educate is like the best, the best way to, you know, destigmatize. And I feel like over the years, this definitely has gotten better, especially during the pandemic, how every people's eyes are now open when it comes to yeah. like anxiety yeah. and depression. Like, I feel like the stigma has definitely have, I mean, it's still there. Of course, there's still a, there's still a bunch of jerks out there that still think mental illness isn't real. But I mean, the more people that talk about it, and the more it becomes like a normal thing, the the better, you know, that we can beat it faster. Because I mean, think about it, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, mental illness obviously was not spoken about. So if anyone had depression or bipolar or whatever, they would just see those people as like witches, or something like that, and they'll hang them, thinking they're like demons on the on the earth. I um, was actually at work and I was looking at the current COVID rates and in August of like last month, August, um, we're recording this now in September of 2021, but August of 2021, COVID was the third leading cause of death in the United States. Suicide mm-hmm. was number 11 and the number, I think it was mm-hmm. 126, 126 people a day die from suicide. In the number for August for um, COVID was 727 or something like that. So mm-hmm. we're, we're talking, this is a leading cause of death and we don't yeah. talk about it. We talk about diabetes. We talk about heart disease. We talk yeah. every day about COVID, but we've got hundreds of thousands of people dying from a disease. We should talk yeah. about it. And that's yeah. the only way it's going to get better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then also like having access to the proper resources. I mean, having acts like it sucks for people who don't make like a lot of money because because it's expensive like without like my um like insurance like my psychiatrist appointments be like two hundred dollars like each time right and it's just some people who you know have all these these illnesses they don't have that kind of money right and that goes to to my story when i was in the parking garage and i couldn't find a doctor to even see me. I have insurance and I was lucky enough that I do have a good job and I do have good income and I can afford to have my medicine shipped to me. But I actually thought, what if I couldn't? Yeah. Those are the people who are probably most likely because there's, I mean, there's some people who don't look, go out and look for help and I feel bad for those people, but then there's like people who can't have the access right to it. And it's like, if it's kind of like, do I want to be, you know, it's like, it's like you're giving yourself a financial burden. You, right. you know what I mean? And it's like, that's going to put even more stress on you. Yep. Yep. Which can put you more into it. So it's like, you're trying to look for help and you're trying to get medication. So you don't, so you don't die. So you put in like, like, ha- like a, a big portion of your income and then like get so stressed out that you just want to die. Like, right. <laughs> this whole system is just so messed up and it's really just, it's, it's, it's cruel. And I feel, I truly feel bad for those people. Like, like I said, we're lucky that we, you know, we have insurance and we have like a full-time job and such, but there's people out there, like even teenagers who may just have a part-time job or who are not beyond their health insurance and like, you know, don't have the kind of support. And like, you know, honestly, like I'm very grateful that I have a support system. I have access to medication. I have access to, to resources that can help me take care of myself. I don't mm-hmm. even know if I would be here if I didn't have any of that. I probably wouldn't, honestly. Right. I Honestly, I even told my friend, I was like, if I grew up like in the hood with no resources to help myself and a really shitty life, I would probably jump off a bridge. Right. Cause and I, and really- I can tell you, but, and I can tell you that's not a unique experience because again, I have a great career. I have a great mm-hmm. income. And if mm-hmm. I hadn't been able to get help, 
that mm-hmm. day I was, again, I was finally able to connect to like an online doctor that was able to mail me a prescription. And, yeah. you know, I want people to hear this too. The prescription didn't show up on my porch and I was better the next day. Mm-hmm. But what the prescription did was it gave me hope that I yeah. would see the end of this. And I have exactly. been through depression and the ups and downs of it before. Mm-hmm. And I know it won't feel like this forever. It will get better when the medicine shows up. And so for me, it just provided me with hope. Mm-hmm. But if I hadn't been able to get the hope, the, the help that I needed that day, I don't know that I would have kept going. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, sitting in my car crying, thinking I, I should just end this all and um, everybody would be better off without me. And, you know, you go through all of these horrible thoughts that mm-hmm. when you're out of the depression, you look back and you think that's not true. But in the middle of it, you cannot see your way out. And it is so despondent and it is so awful. Mm-hmm. And the more people tell you how much you have to, gr- to be grateful for it, the worse you feel. Yeah. Because you feel like ashamed you know, of yourself. I know. You you're feel, ashamed of yourself. Yeah. It makes you feel, yeah, it makes you feel worse. Right. Absolutely. But nobody says, nobody says to you, your stomach hurts, but you have so much to be grateful for. <laughs> nobody says that. Right. Oh, you've got a sore throat, but you have so much to be grateful for because <laughs> my depression is my body, my mind, the physical part of me. There's something physical in right. me that is broken. So I know that I have a lot to be grateful for and I'm grateful for it. But right now I want to die and I need yeah. help with that, you know? Yeah, definitely. So. I, so for all my guests, I always just ask if there's like a last piece of advice you would like to provide my audience before. Um, we end today's episode. Um, I think the biggest piece of advice that I have for people is when you start to recognize that you have depression, that you could have depression, that your thoughts could be going in that direction, Mm -hmm. get help Mm -hmm. and fight for yourself. Because when you get out of it, you will look back on yourself and you will see how strong you really, really are. Mm -hmm. It is a physical disease. There is help out there. There is treatment for it. And you have to sometimes, as hard as it is in the middle of your depression, be your own advocate until Mm -hmm. you can pull yourself through. And it is so hard, but you are not alone. There are millions of people around the world who have this disease. It is a disease. It's not something wrong with you. It is just something that's broken and it can be fixed. Yeah, definitely. Well, again, like I said, again, I really do appreciate you coming on here. I think we had a really, really good conversation and provided a lot of value um, to my audience, um, so, um, to so- my audience, I really do appreciate you guys listening. And I hope you guys all have a good rest of your day, evening, morning, and whatever. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you guys so much for listening to Mentally a Badass Season 2. I really hope you enjoyed all of the conversations. Don't forget to follow me on all my social media that I'll put in the description, as well as all of the guests. But um, don't forget to come back for Season 3.